You are now tuning into the No Small Talk podcast, and we're your hosts, Ebony and Sherry, two introverts who actually do enjoy conversations, as long as it's not small talk, and you don't have to settle for small talk either. Change the conversation. We're here to show you how. With our conversation starters, we want to help you enjoy meaningful conversations and build better relationships in order to succeed in business, life, and in love. We'll show you how to be confident, present, and vulnerable while starting conversations that you enjoy. Relationships, parenting, careers, money, and wellness are all topics we discuss right here on this podcast. So get your headphones, your cup of tea, and get ready to be inspired to start your next conversation. No small talk. Uh, they cannot do what they want. I got my freedom of speech. Yeah. Get to say what I want. They cannot lock me outside. I walk in right through the front. With a big back like I'm back. You need to get my respect. Hello, everyone. Welcome to another episode of the No Small Talk podcast. Thank you all so much for joining us every single week. And also, thank you to those who have been sharing the podcast with their friends and their loved ones. We really appreciate all your support. If you're joining us today and you have not yet subscribed to the podcast, We would love to ask you to take some time right now, it only takes one second, to hit that subscribe button so you can get the notifications every time we drop a new episode. Also, if you can please rate and leave us a nice comment about how much you love the podcast, we would really appreciate that. And you know what? Your ratings help our podcast get noticed by other listeners who might be interested in the topics that we discuss on the show. Okay, now that we got that out the way, let's get into today's episode. Today's episode is a TED Talk by Katie Rizul. She's an introvert and an author of the book, Hidden Brilliance. And when I first heard Katie's TED Talk, I was like, whoa, this sounds like me. I am a high achieving introvert. Now you're probably listening and asking yourself, what in the world does that even mean? Well, according to Katie, a high achieving introvert is someone who feels the intense tug between the drive to achieve more and the need for solitude, or between going out to conquer the world by fighting and doing all the things with the desire to just simply be alone. Now, this sounds just like me, and I'm sure that this also sounds like many of you out there that are listening. I have been an overachiever or, quote, a high achiever my entire life. I consider myself super ambitious and always wanting to be the best at whatever I did. Growing up, And even sometimes now, I put an immense pressure on myself to succeed and to be great. But all that pressure simply would lead me to being drained. I'm just exhausted by it. And when I didn't achieve what I desired, I often questioned my abilities at times. As an adult, I understand that what I was struggling with and what I still struggle with is what we know to be imposter syndrome. And I'm still learning to work through those feelings as they come. It's a work in progress. But when I was a child and a young adult, I was so driven. I made the honor roll every year. I was such an overachiever to the point where if I got a 95 on a test, I would be upset with myself for not getting that 100. Now, part of that could be because I have Nigerian parents and, you know, I knew that Once I got home, I would be questioned about those extra five points. But nonetheless, it was draining trying to be the best at everything, trying to do all the things, all the clubs, all the activities, sports, you name it. But when I look back, I sometimes wonder if my decision to be so involved in so many activities 
and to gain all these quote accomplishments was my way of trying to find value based on my accomplishments and my achievements. Who knows? What I do know is that today, I know that my value is not based on any accolades or accomplishments, and that my value also comes from my experiences and my journey. And that journey includes wins and it includes losses. There is value from failing, and there are lessons that can be learned and shared from the mistakes that we make in life. So if you're listening and consider yourself a high achieving introvert, remember to not base your value on what you can or cannot achieve, but instead create your own definition of success and enjoy your journey along the way. So without further ado, I like to just invite you all to sit back and enjoy this TED talk by Katie Rizzo. Author Susan Cain has recently brought introversion front and center for the world, best defining it as how people respond to stimulation. Introverts thrive the most when they're allowed low-key environments and space with their own thoughts. But for some introverts, there's an internal conflict between less and more. The inner workings for a high-achieving introvert is the intersection between a drive to achieve and a need for solitude. It's an ambition to be out there fighting with a need to be in here. It's having big dreams, but often being overwhelmed by them. And it's this need to achieve when you don't share it with others anyways. Gandhi once said, in a gentle way, you can shake the world. We want to shake the world in a big way, but without trumpets or fanfare or small talk. High achievers often feel shame for not meeting their own high expectations of themselves or for feeling like a fraud. We can feel this rising need to keep up with ourselves, assuming that we can and should do it on our own. We can be so focused on the future that we forget to enjoy the present. And when we combine drive with inner reflection, it can be a superpower or it can create an implosion. The world today is filled with endless options and social media facades, and this you can do anything or more is better narrative is not helping. Where I went wrong with this you can do anything culture is that instead of anything, I heard that we can do everything and then slowly replaced can with the almighty should. And I have found that this cultural shift does not only affect high-achieving introverts. In fact, millennials report having the highest rates of depression and anxiety of any generation, and Gen Z is following suit. So we are at a unique moment to examine this idea now and apply it to the rest of our lives and how we raise the next generation. On a broader scale, we're part of a larger subculture of outliers banded together by this mutual experience of feeling like the other, we begin to question what's true for us. Because what's true for us seems to go against the grain of what's true for everyone else. You, me, we all have inner critic voices that tell us we aren't enough. They tell us to sit down and play small. For an introvert, we may have a whole internal board of directors having this discussion at length. And for those addicted to achievement, this is where perfectionism breeds and where nothing is ever enough. I want to share with you a story 
And some of you might think I'm describing you, and others might be amazed to learn that other people live this way. It took me 34 years to realize that not everyone sees the world the same way. I grew up as an honor roll kid, a total overachiever that had to give it 150% and do it myself if I wanted it to meet my standards. My drive, my intrinsic motivation always served me well at whatever I was doing. As an adult, I climbed the corporate ladder and got the big jobs, and despite my success, I felt misunderstood and drained. I always had unrealistic expectations for myself, and this weight became heavier over time. I have always been a high-achieving introvert. Last year, I started my own company, and this drive that has always gotten me where I was going finally came to a tipping point. For the first time, I was my own boss. I was the only person laying out the expectations when the weight started to feel unbearable. It was the same weight I had always felt but managed to tolerate or ignore, but now it was getting heavier. And then one day, it came to me. And like a lightning bolt, I, I had to get a pen and paper and write down this sentence to describe what I was experiencing. I am being crushed by the rising expectations for greatness because I don't have anyone holding me back anymore. But wait, let's back up. How did I get here? My childhood was stable and secure and frankly, pretty mundane. There was no major crisis in my life, no event that turned my life upside down. Some people lose a parent or have a near-death experience before they transform into a new person. I experienced none of those things. I can hardly even remember a minor crisis from this time. In fact, I remember when my choir group handed out funny awards to each other, my peers gave me the, you don't do anything embarrassing enough to get an award, award. <laughs> Well, I, my parents assure me I was this person from much younger. My first memories of the weight I felt as a high achiever were in high school. I remember a specific instance when a teacher asked me and looked at me and said, like really saw me, and said, how are you? I burst into tears because the weight was so heavy and no one had ever looked close enough to notice it before. I remember a contemporary dance class where the, the dancers journaled whatever was on their mind and handed it in to the instructor who selected a personal quality that best fit our thoughts. Mine was panic. From Ruth Gendler's Book of Qualities, panic has thick curly hair and large frightened eyes. She has worked on too many projects meeting other people's deadlines. Panic is sure no one can help her. She must sweat out these demons on her own. She's ignoring the evidence of her own senses. In college, the wait continued as I was an honor scholar and I worked three jobs. I took everything so personally because I was so hard on myself. As an adult in my career, I continued to assume that it was me that needed to do more and be better. I was nearly incapable of celebrating accomplishments and would plow on through to the next thing. 
I spent years living close to tears, much like in high school when I buckled the minute someone saw me as I really was, I would collapse under the pressure when someone asked me, how are you, with actual intent or eye contact. I always assumed that this was normal because it was normal for me. And then I started my own business, and I knew it would be hard because everyone says it's going to be, but I had a misunderstanding of how it would be hard. I thought that I was better equipped than most, and as it turns out, despite knowing how to run a business, my inner gremlins found the air that they needed to unravel me. Here I was, free of the oppression of conference calls and cubicles and direction from others, and I was stuck. I was being crushed by the rising expectations for greatness because I didn't have anyone holding me back anymore. I always had bosses and company objectives with their own agenda, and when my own unrealistic expectations no longer had a ceiling, they exploded. I felt as if the conflict between my head and my heart would destroy me. How ironic, right? I had everything going for me, and I was going to fail. So I had to unpack this new realization for myself, and because I'm a coach, the best way I know how to do that is to ask myself some pointed questions. So I went to a cafe, and I ordered a plate of lemon ricotta pancakes, and opened my computer to take notes, and my internal board of directors and I had a little chat. This was that conversation. What am I afraid will happen if I let go of these overwhelming expectations that I've placed on myself? That I will fail. No cause, just myself. A totally preventable failure which makes it a double failure. Failure to get it right the first time, and then failure to fix it when I saw the problem. I am afraid that I've held these expectations by myself and for myself my entire life, and I cannot be successful without them. So inevitable failure. Failure if I keep the expectations, and failure if I don't. Scratch that. Inevitable failure if I keep the pressure but only possible failure if I let them go, or possible greatness. What would actually be the outcome of letting go? I might fail, but it would be so much lighter. So either lighter failure or total greatness. What would letting go of these expectations feel like? It would feel free, confident, like leveling up, like being the person that I'm meant to be and that the world needs me to be, it would feel larger. I reflect back on my answers. I think possible greatness. How would I know when I reached possible greatness or total greatness? Next question. What is my definition of success? I do not know the answer to this. This is the hardest question of all. The world needs people who will listen and feel and create change for the better of humanity. I think I can alter the course of the world. 
Success would be creating something that alters the course of the world for the better. What would I need to do to achieve it? Well, faith in myself, like utter belief without factual backup. I would need to live on purpose, and I would need to walk the talk. This list, it feels overwhelming. I have a lot to do to live into the definition of success. The waitress comes by and refills my coffee cup with as little interruption as possible, as if she knows that I need a minute. What would I have to give up or stop doing? Well, the fear, obviously. Stuff that isn't a hell yes. Being awkward around other humans. Probably some judgment about the previous three bullet points. And being attached to the outcome. And yet this list feels more challenging than the first one. What steps could I take to unburden myself from these intense pressures when I feel them? I could act like a scientist who is not attached to the outcome of the experiment. I could practice bold moves like living on purpose and overcoming fear. I could practice a higher hell yes threshold. I feel like I'm trying to dig a tunnel to China with a kid-sized garden trowel. Like, big problems with the tiniest solutions. Could this possibly be all that it takes? The answer was yes. It is disarming to realize that the rules you've lived your life by are wrong. I felt like my whole life was a lie and I had to ask myself what was true for me because my compass felt broken. I always assumed that I was successful because of the weight, not in spite of it. But what would it be like to be a high achiever without the weight? It would feel easy and free and without fear of what ifs. But could I be successful without it? I had lived my whole life thinking that it was the one thing that helped me be successful when in reality, perhaps it was the one thing holding me back from my true greatness. If I could go back in time, what would I have wanted to know? What do I wish someone would have told me? Not that I would have listened. I would have wanted to know that it was enough, that I was enough. I would have wanted to know that my value was not dependent on what I accomplished, that the fear of failure was inevitably worse than the actual failure, and that failure guards the door to success. I have taken some critical, tangible steps to remain close to this new mindset. I read and reread the answers to my questions to get used to this new mindset. I wrote, I am enough on my bathroom mirror and I saw it every day. I adjusted my to-do list and took off anything that was just a have to instead of a hell yes. I allowed myself the permission to live without fear of what ifs for 90 days. Anytime I felt the pressure and the fear, I replaced it with a new thought that honored the present. 
I began to do things that were out of my comfort zone, like more impromptu speaking or riding a bike for the first time in 15 years. I started acting as if the things that I really wanted were already happening, and you know what? They did. Once I started to honor this new mindset and act accordingly, what was inevitable failure faded away and made room for total greatness and alignment with what really mattered the most to me. What I've learned in these crucible moments is how I can choose my future. I now choose to do less stuff and play bigger, to focus on my passions and be really good at them. Once I realized failure wouldn't slow me down, it didn't. And although I will always have inner critics and I will always want to achieve great things, I now know that my value is not dependent on how much I accomplished. In fact, I now find more value in the journey, in the attempt, in the experience. And I know that's all part of my curriculum to learn. It starts with awareness. For your own internal board of directors to discuss, I'll leave you with three questions. What is your definition of success? How do you detach yourself from the outcome? And what are you so afraid of? So to you, my friends, I invite you to dig deep and find the answers. Thank you. I really hope that you all enjoyed this week's episode. Here at the No Small Talk podcast, we love to encourage you, our listeners, to embrace who you are, to embrace being authentic, and to be true to yourselves. Do what makes you happy and leverage the strengths that you have. Celebrate your wins and your losses because they shape who you are. Again, thank you so much for joining us. And until next time, don't forget to subscribe, rate the podcast, and share with your friends. And remember, no small talk. Bye. On God, I come from a place that goes so hard. I'm not afraid of words, you can bring the bar. If you don't want problems, then don't start. Don't start. They told me shut up and dribble. Tell your president, act presidential. Bottom line, I won't keep quiet, not this time, not this time.